0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: The Pride to Detroit PODcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each 2-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the P.O.D. cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Come to you every week after a Lions game, even if you probably don't want to hear from us right now. But uh, I think we're going to be able to soothe this one a little bit and also wet blanket some of this a little bit. You get it in equal amounts. It is like uh, porridge, hot and cold. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter find jeremy reisman the fearless leader at detroit online hi jeremy hello it's your favorite time of year a smile
2: <clears throat> yeah listen i thought maybe we had gotten past this stage of development uh where we didn't have to talk about big ridiculous blowouts that that are gut punches um i realized that can happen to any team but I thought maybe we'd graduated to the type of team that didn't have to deal with that too much.
1: Every team. It doesn't matter which team you are. You will hit you will get the hit with them. And I'll explain in a second. But first, Ryan Matthews Back, the rock guy. at Ryan underscore P.O.D. How are we doing, buddy? You know, we're doing all right. Um, it's one game. Yep. Lions are five and two. They are. It's it's, it's crazy that uh, the Lions are five and twelve. Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. According to reactions, apparently the Lions are five and uh, 20. It's crazy. It's crazy how
3: that works, Ryan. I'm surprised that they were able to win the division with five wins, but maybe not so much after watching what the Packers did against the Broncos. So... (laughs)
1: Misery loves company in the NFC North, right? I think only the Bears improved their position today. And I think across the rest of the NFL, Jeremy, uh, the Lions might still stay in their same t- position generally, depending on what happens with some other teams playing out there.
2: Yeah, it, it was it was kind of a wild day looking across the NFL. And so um, if, if you want to kind of widen your scope, maybe. Maybe that makes you feel a little bit better, but it, I'm 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 also not gonna sit here and try to sugarcoat what happened on Sunday in Baltimore. It was it was ugly. It was bad. Um, there are some things that you should be very concerned about, and maybe some other things that you can let ro- kind of roll off the back of your shoulder, or whatever. Roll off the, the what's the duck thing? Water off the back of the duck. That thing.
3: Yeah. Do, do that. Well, this is where we're starting, huh? <laughs>
1: well let me let me let me start this by because i know i I, i'm going to relegate those roles to you on on wet blanket because like i do think there is a deeper discussion to be had about some of the problems on certain units and we are we do get into those but by and large the lions are five and two and you got gut punched in the face you got gut punched and face punched in every other place what's the place that hurts most to be punched ryan Probably the groin. Probably the groin? Probably. I wonder about that. I know that's like the stereotype. Sure, groin. You got groin punched too. The Baltimore Ravens honed in on exactly where the Lions were weakest coming into this game, which was a banged up, beat up, secondary. Lamar Jackson, who I'm not sure where we decided, Lamar depending on who you ask, that Lamar Jackson isn't a good throwing quarterback. Uh, He had himself one of those good throwing games, regardless of which. He's had a connection with Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews that continued through this game and resulted in the Lions getting blitzkrieged right out of the gate. Combine that with a Detroit Lions offense that has been starting slow in several games, And continued to have a very slow start. And very quickly, this game got out of hand and did not stop getting out of hand. The good news for the Detroit Lions is that the is that put the schedule aside. But guess what? Congratulations. You've grown up to the rest of the NFL. Even the good teams in this league take horrible losses. Someone say the Miami Dolphins are one of the best teams in the league right now, given their their offense. They still had a 20 some point lead um, at loss to the Buffalo Bills. Now, it's not the loss that the that the Detroit Lions took to the Ravens. But at what at some point we're just doing relativistic here. It only counts for one game at the end of the day, no matter what. It's a crap game to take. And maybe there are definitely, I mean, not just maybe, but there are definitely weaknesses that are becoming more and more apparent to the Lions as the week is going on. But you had fun blowing out other teams. Sometimes the blowout comes right back around to you. To me, what happened to the Lions isn't a sign that they're boxing their own history, which always seems to be the case with the Detroit Lions. When you start talking with either fans after a loss like this or national media after a loss like this, the Lions, are the only ones who have to really bear that burden and have to always answer for their history whenever they take an L like this. But it doesn't apply here. Every team takes these kind of losses. They suck to happen and they reveal weaknesses about you. But ultimately, Baltimore knew exactly what they wanted to do to you and they executed on it. And Dan Campbell mentioned that the problem for the Detroit Lions was execution at the end of the day. See, how do you fix up execution? I don't think it gets solved by what fans want to do, which is just throw Aaron Glenn out the window. You're not, That's not going to fix things up. The Lions are hurting In a particular area. They're struggling to get things going on offense. And it's just a gumbo for disaster coming into here. It was a gumbo for disaster. And thankfully, as we'll talk on later in the podcast. There shouldn't be too many spots that can really destroy them. As long as they can get a few things right. But at the end of the day, you're also five and two. You've had the cushion to work with. So sometimes the medicine sucks to take it. But. Again, no style points in the NFL. A loss just counts as a loss, and a win just counts as a win. Um, can I push back on that? On what part? Most of it. <laughs> go ahead. Go <laughs> ahead. No, like, look. It's, yeah. It's, it's a big – it's a It's a 30-point loss. There's no sugarcoating that at yeah. the end of the day. And there are – For sure. There's problems with it, but
3: like – Yeah, yeah. On, um, man. It so, doesn't so, mean
1: doom and the season's no, over. No, no. I, or like I, here, I even have to downgrade the Lions. I don't think I even need to do that.
3: Yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, this loss doesn't define who this Lions team is by any means. Right. Like, I, I don't think a single loss in October should ever define your season. Right. So there isn't any jumping to conclusions from that standpoint. Losing to the Ravens this way does not define the Lions as a bottom-tier team. It does not bring back SOL. It does not call them as Jeremy's favorite muted word. They are not frauds, okay? But losing like this to the Ravens um, in in a first half where – I just want to double-check and make sure I have this uh, number right. In the first half, the the Ravens averaged 9.6 yards per play. Um, they had, uh, 355 yards of total offense in the first half on just 37 plays on six drives. Um, Lamar Jackson looked like an absolute MVP. And we talked about this coming into the week, Jeremy, how Lamar Jackson is different, right? He he's, he's different. And I mean, this is the kind of game where I, I think this might kind of springboard his MVP push. Um, but all that taken into account. Jeremy kind of alluded to it earlier. My big takeaway from this game is I thought the Lions had matured past the point of the New England game from last year. I thought that they had moved on from ever looking so unprepared in all phases of the football game like they did against Carolina last year at the end of the season. That's not saying that this is a bad football team, but what I'm saying is maybe the coronation process of saying – the Detroit lions are a top three football team. This kind of loss brings pause to that. Right. And and it allows us to kind of sit here and reflect and say, okay, maybe we got a little bit ahead of our skis on this one. Um, but this also doesn't say that they can't be that team eventually this season. Right. But I think right in, in the here and now, right. like I agree with Chris in the sense that yes, take stock of everything. The team is five and two and you couldn't ask for a better opponent next week to bounce back from the, right. than the raiders on monday night mm-hmm. at ford field right yeah. and then it's the bye week right so jeremy i think that when you look at this loss it sucks it um it certainly it certainly tells us who the lions are now in the mix of the upper echelon right but i don't think that this is a declarative statement of who the the lions are moving forward
2: right it it, people always need to be reminded i think that teams can grow in the middle of the season they can get better at certain things in the middle of the season who they are in september is not necessarily who they'll be in october and and november and december and so
3: real quick the other thing that greg greg olson said in in the game right things are in the nfl they're never as bad as they seem and they're never usually as good as they seem right it seemed like coming into this game jeremy Things seemed really, really good for the Lions. And maybe today was just a reminder that that's not always the case.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe things aren't as good as they seem. That's that's probably a fair way to to talk about things, particularly, I think, on defense. I think. Yeah, I think all the stats that we've had defensively in in terms of, you know, top five DVOA, all that sort of stuff. I think we're we're crashing down to earth a little bit here. I think I think maybe the Lions overperformed statistically through the first six games defensively and i'll also like i, I is this a bottom tier defense no this is not this is not a a 32nd ranked defense this is not a probably bottom 10 defense i think maybe it's going to trend a little bit more towards average than than maybe we're comfortable with considering how they started but also i think with all due respect to dan campbell i call a little bit of bs on execution being the problem here um this is this is Becoming a little bit of a trend with these kind of offenses, where you have a legit running threat at quarterback, or at least a, a team that is willing to lean into that, because the Seahawks did it too. And and Geno Smith and and uh, Lamar, if you look at their stats, they didn't they didn't kill the Lions on the ground, right? I think mm. Geno had like twenty or thirty yards, and Lamar had forty or something. Um,
1: no, the, the real big damage just came because Lamar Jackson could scramble on that what was the fourth and one for the touchdown, what? but he was largely yes. by beating the Lions in the pocket.
2: Well, yes and no, because I think the threat of Lamar Jackson running was what really killed the Lions in this game, because they ran a bunch of RPOs, they ran a bunch of read options, and the Lions just played completely undisciplined. And it all kind of goes back to this defensive scheme, philosophy, whatever. When you have a guy that that they're very clearly afraid of with their legs, all they're going to do is close the pocket. They're going to close it, but they don't want to get too aggressive. Because he might slip by them and and run for 50. So as long as as Lamar doesn't run for 100 on you, we did what we wanted. Well, Lamar didn't run for 100 on you. You caused him to stay in the pocket for most of the game. And congratulations. What we were saying all week, which was Lamar Jackson has been absolutely phenomenal in the pocket this year, is what happened. And they said it, too. Like, they knew that Lamar Jackson, if you just had him sit in the pocket there for seven, eight seconds, he's going to tear you apart. Well, that's exactly what they did, because... Two two reasons. One, I think this philosophy stinks. Like I think I think you just need to be aggressive. I think you need yeah. to get yeah. him on the yeah. move. And if he beats you for twenty on his legs, then you say, "Wow, great job, Lamar, you did it." Um, but you got you got to get some negative plays in there. You got to force him into some second and eighteens. You got to maybe get him under pressure to make a mistake, a fumble, a sack, something. Because if you're just going to sit back and and this defensive line, which is good at being disciplined, but make like that has been a consistent thing is once you have him centered and, 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 you know, everyone's around him, no one's making that additional play. No one is reaching over and actually bringing him down. And, and I think that's where this defensive line falls short in general. And then you have a secondary that's beat up that can't cover for seven or eight seconds. And you're left with another disaster of a performance defensively. And it's hard to claim yourself to be a top 10 Defense in this league. When you you let Lamar go for 500 yards of offense, when you let Geno Smith, I mean, look at the Seahawks. They're not killing other teams right now, but the Lions just have they have this bugaboo with these mobile quarterbacks that that uh, with with offensive coordinators that absolutely don't run away from the fact that they're mobile. That that like to get those guys on the move, uh, or at least to again to show the threat of it. And and Aaron Glenn just can't figure that one out now. To, to, to bring it back to both your guys' point, they don't have much of an issue rest of the schedule. Like, I do mm-hmm. think Justin Fields could present a little bit of a problem, especially if they kind of lean into his running style. But everyone else on the schedule, you got Jimmy Garoppolo, who just absolutely looks no, like you know, know, he's, he's healthy, after no, under you pressure.
1: You'll, you'll, you'll have healthy. like Aiden O'Connell or no, he Hullier, No,
2: he's he's scheduled to play. If you read tweets from today. I, I remain uh, to be. Okay. I remain Either convinced. way, doesn't matter. Overall point is, a lot of pocket passers in the future, a lot of guys that you don't need to be afraid of the legs. You can pin your ears back a little bit more. You can stop the run on a more traditional run game, I think, against most of these teams. Everything's going to be OK, but it's just when you face one of these teams like the Ravens, the Seahawks, These these. I mean, I, I think even the Chiefs, when they get a little bit more healthy, like I think they're going to give the Lions a lot of problems. And hopefully we don't have to worry about that until the postseason. <laughs> But what you're describing
1: is a matchup thing. And I guess my objection is calling it a maturity issue. That's not like I mean, or or like that the Lions had matured out of these games. Yeah, like I I see that more as like you sometimes match up of a team that just you just don't know how have an idea to beat. I don't think that's maturity. That's just I don't know what the right word I'm looking for is a lack of creativity on it. Or that's just your identity at the end of the day, getting the better of you. Now, I also wanted to dive into the offense a little bit because I don't think this was just like it takes two to tango to create a loss where you're down 28 to zero at the half. And that the like the defense was playing terrible, but the offense. I I forget the stat they flashed up on the top of my screen. I was trying to, like, go back and do the math, my uh, napkin math again on Jared Goff Goff air yards, but three, three and three, three, three and outs to start this game is not helping you. And like, at that point you've lost time, you've lost tempo and the Ravens are what they're at 20. Uh, it's already a 21.
2: I think it was 28, nothing already
1: 20, 28, nothing before, <laughs> before the before Lions got a first, down. before the Lions got a first down, like, you know, we can sit all day talking about the, the defense, but at the same time, like, I think it's time we really need to have a conversation because we've seen these, these slow starts, to the offense, Before Jeremy in other games, and I don't know if it's just the play calling or if like, because at the end at the end, you still have a box score that looks still fine. But as but. You know, a, a game like this is is about holding serve a lot of the times, especially when you're getting punched in the mouth and being put down in 28 points and the Lions really didn't have an answer at any point to a touchdown to touchdown drives for the Ravens early in this game
2: I mean or at at any the very point le- the first half at the very least they just needed a long drive it didn't matter if it would have ended in a field goal or a punt they needed to give the defense some sort of breather and three and out three and out three now is just it's compounding the problem it's 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 not winning the the field position battle It it's losing the time of possession battle and it's gassing your defense and I don't know. I, it's hard for me to localize one issue to this because at a certain point when you get down three scores so quickly, it's like you become one dimensional and this is the one defense you, you just can't become one dimensional against. And some people might put this on on not having David Montgomery. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, they the, those first three drives, they had three runs and I think they all went for three or four yards. So they, they got into like third manageables, but golf wasn't on his game. The offensive line. To me, I I mean, I'm not sure it was the wisest decision to put Vitae in and move Glasgow to another position Mm -hmm. um, because you're just you're messing with chemistry. And and given that this is such a good defense at at creating disguised pressure, you needed as much chemistry on that offensive line as you could possibly get. And it just wasn't up to stuff today. So I don't know. To me, it's I'm not as long term concerned about the offense as I am the defense, because this is the aberration, right? Like the offense had. This is the end of their 20 point streak for 15, 16 games, whatever. Um, but, you know, you, you'd, you'd hope they'd rise to occasion, the occasion like they did against Tampa last week. But we've just rarely seen the Lions have to play from a
1: deficit. And yeah. I think some people have have said we still need to see the Lions play with a deficit. Are they the type of offense they can get back into the game? They didn't even sniff getting back into this at all at any point ever. So, like, if you want to talk about, yeah, it wasn't it made them one dimensional. Well, sometimes you have to play that one dimension to get back into a game. Well, they did
2: against Seattle punched in the face. They did do it against Seattle and and they became one dimensional against Tampa and and it was fine. But I don't know, like to me, it feels like there were times in this you know crazy 13 and three streak that the Lions have had where it seemed like things were going to fall off the wagon and they didn't like the Lions were able to. Stabilized themselves, whether it was offensively or defensively. Today they just didn't. They just it it compounded and it compounded and, and snowballed in a way that uh no one had to even watch the second half.
3: Yeah. And and I think specifically, like in the first half, like if, if you want to talk about any specifics, right? Like those first couple of drives, um, sacks, right? Like sacks just hurt Detroit so bad, like in terms of getting behind the sticks like that. Um but it was something about that third drive, right? Like if you guys remember, I don't know, you guys may have completely blocked this game out from your memory. Bank no, rate, no, but I think, I think I remember Goff, it was golf yeah. has a golf has a sack on second and seven. Um, and it sets up third and 16 and Laporta like battles like to get 13 of it back. And it's fourth and three, the lions are down 21 and it's fourth and three from the 32. That feels like a Dan Campbell spot. You know what I mean? To be like, okay, like, Hey, the Baltimore scoring at will, basically, like if you're going to if you're going to have a chance to even come back in this game, like maybe now's the time to be aggressive. Right. Because it doesn't matter if Baltimore has, you know, 90 yards to go or if they have 50 yards to go. It seems like they're going to score either way. It it felt like an opportunity for for the Lions to kind of punch back with, okay, like our offense can still do it. And then it was it was a punt from there. And it and I mean, uh, six plays, eighty yards later, it's it's another touchdown for the Ravens. So like, and, and then the Lions eventually go for it on 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 fourth down on the next drive, but it just felt like a little like too little, too late. And I, and I think at that point it was like, okay, like I yeah, that, that I, I I had a feeling like at that point it was like, okay, yeah, this isn't going to be the Lions' day.
1: Yeah, even off even off the fumble that happened later in that half, two Lions just could not capitulate. Could not uh, what, what's the word? I'm looking for? not capitulate. Um, Jeez, capitalize on anything that was really going. You had a chance to like, okay, let's get something back in there and just nothing really going your way there. And Jared Goff, yeah, took a lot of sacks. And I've I've praised him pretty well as far as like knowing when to get the ball away. But you know, it was later in the game that intentional grounding was very awkward for him to throw. I know he had someone coming at him for the sack. I honestly think it, it was better to take the sack in that situation. You would still say, but at that point, yeah, it's it's for a field goal, but at least he put some points going into the half, which, as we find, just doesn't matter at the end of the day. But it's just uncharacteristic drops from some of the receivers. Uh, I know fans are complaining about the garbage time yardage, but the, the offense had no answers in this half. They had nothing to really get it going. And you're like, yeah, the defense could play better, but it, it, you could at least like stay in it and sniff it and hold serve and give the, the defense a chance to breathe if the offense had not done three straight three and outs.
3: Yeah. And, and, and who knows how much of a difference, right? I, who knows how much of a difference David Montgomery has in like this specific game in terms of these scenarios that the Lions were in because they were behind the sticks anyways on, yeah. on a lot of these drives. But I, I guess what you miss from Montgomery is you miss the opportunity to set the tone, right? And and it feels like that's part of the Lions' identity on offense is is setting the tone as the the more physical team. And I think that at the line of scrimmage, like the 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 Ravens kind of proved that they were the more physical team on defense, um, specifically, and, and that led to all the pressure and You know, I I even talked about it last week. Um, You know, Goff has looked really good under pressure, relatively speaking, right? Like the best in his career. Um, But when it's happening on like every other play and the Lions are kind of, as Jeremy mentioned, right? They're kind of pushed into this corner of having to abandon the run. It's not Tampa. You're not playing with the lead anymore, right? You're playing out of desperation and Amon am Roz dropping passes and Penesul is getting holding penalties. And it's like, oh, man, this is like going from bad to worse to, you know, our our elite players that we expect to make big plays are having really bad days oh, man, this is going to be bad. I, I want to kick it
1: to Jeremy because I, I see he's got something. But like just really quick, we talked about getting ahead of our skis on where the Lions rank in the rest of the NFL. Uh, the, the Jared Goff MVP talk can probably go back on ice because like at some point, like when the ball's in your hand and you have to take over a game, you know, that kind of talk, like it might not be fair to him, but
2: you kind of have to start producing and he didn't produce in those spots. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> When you, also, when you're on the same stage as, as Lamar and he's doing what he did today, it's it, you're going to look pretty <laughs> bad. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't think a lot. I don't put a ton on on golf today. I, he he just wasn't putting in a good situation at, at any point in this game. Um, but the, the the throws were weirdly wobbly, and I understand it was a, a windy day, and and Lamar the Jackson had to play with the wind too, right? Right. Got and Goff even said like it didn't affect him that much, so. I, I don't know what exactly was going on there, but it's not I, I didn't see a lot of open receivers that he missed. I saw him trying to fit in small windows because no one was getting open. um, and, and I saw him drop a couple of big dimes towards the very end of the game. And we'll I'm sure we'll talk about that in the second segment, because I know people are eager to talk about Jameson Williams after what happened today. But uh,
3: to are me, they? I, they, are they eager to talk about?
2: I like, feel like people. I think not, people they are. are uh, they're. They're.
1: But they're eager to talk about it. But I feel like everyone is now dead set in their ways about Jameson Williams and about Gibbs again for some well, ungodly reason. Well, let's put that aside just for a second. Sure, because sure. the
2: other the other point I want to make here is, and and spoiler if if you're a Pride of Detroit Direct subscriber, me and Eric talk about this a little bit. Um, but I I th- I think the offensive game plan was also a little bit uninspired. I understand at the top of the game, you're trying to do exactly what I said. You're trying to slow the game down. You're trying to maybe go on one of these 10-play drives so that you you keep Lamar on the sideline. You you let your defense rest a little bit. But my concern started on Friday. My concern started when I asked Dan Campbell, all right, no David Montgomery. What are you going to do to change the run game? And his answer? Nothing. 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 We're, we're still going to do what we do man. You need that extra gear. I'm I'm sorry. Like that's not what Jameer Gibbs does. He can run between the tackles. I'm not, I'm not trying to say he can't, but against this Ravens defense, that's, that's what you were going to do. You were going to try to establish this like physical run style up the middle against this, a Ravens defense. Like get a little creative, man. Get a little outside, get a little misdirection, throw something new in there. You have to your personnel yeah. isn't it isn't what it used to be and you're going up against a bad matchup to do that and but you didn't. did you put, came, you, came, you came out and, and you ran it three times in the first three drives and you set up third and sevens but congratulations you, but played you did defensive. put but you did put Rodrigo at fullback great, <laughs> great. <laughs> how, how about if you don't have a fullback on the roster you just don't try a fullback out there
1: well, why do hey. you need a
2: fullback the universe is
1: the NFL has moved past the need for fullback.
3: Shout out. Shout out. Great. Aunt B. you know, she got her wish. Rodrigo played a different position. Just unfortunately, wasn't cornerback. Although I felt like he probably could have played as well as Will Harris today. Mm. Yeah.
1: The last minute Jerry Jacobs news really, really hurt more
3: than I anticipated. I don't even know how much of a difference it would have made. I don't either. Because no, it was, I, I don't. It's either, a total man. to Jeremy's point. It's a it was a total approach thing. Mm hmm. I mean it, the 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 last stat that I want to point out to everybody is like you had uh <laughs> these were the longs for the receiving uh threats for the Baltimore Ravens along of 80 along of 46 along of 22 along of 20 along of 20 along of 28 to a fullback who weighs 305 pounds. And Nelson Aguilar had a 12 yard catch for a touchdown Nelson a, Aguilar. for a touchdown. Yeah. Nelson Aguilar things. still exists in the league. Jerry Jacobs isn't fixing that. No, <laughs> Man, no. <laughs> no. To put a bow on it.
1: I wish the Lions defense would get more aggressive with the, with the, when they're faced with this kind of a situation. Although with the injuries, I don't know how much it helps stuff at the end of the day, but still like to Jeremy's point, You kind of have to figure out something different when facing a guy like Lamar Jackson. And I wish the Lions offense had a had a gear to shift into where they just need to go score and put some life back into a game rather than just keep trying to establish establish the tempo. And ultimately. Lions are five and two. And hopefully this is one to grow on. What's not one to grow on because it doesn't grow, although we wish we could grow it is righteous felon craft jerky. And it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. And I guess they left it at Allen Park because, you know, Righteous Felon is available to the uh, the jerky and the meat sticks. They're available to the Lions players at the training facilities at Allen's Park, which they'll probably spend a lot of time in to get ready for Monday night football. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. Each stick has eight grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. You can tell when the Lions lose. Like, I'm not usually doing this awkward thing where I have Ryan jump into the middle of the read because I feel like we should just get it done because otherwise putting this near alliance team that just lost might turn people off from buying it. We don't want that. Please buy it. We really like this stuff. It is delicious. It is amazing. And it's perking and it's going to probably perk me up after I do some stress eating after we do this. Podcast. I was going to say it,
2: it It goes great with tears. <laughs>
3: I wouldn't yeah. go that far. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not salty enough. That's the feedback from Jeremy. No, just some, no, no. Some good, old, good old tears, little little dash of tears. Will, what about I'm tear just, flavored jerky? We'll up kick your uh, righteous felon experience. Tear
1: flavor jerky coming to you soon from Righteous Felon because they're best <laughs> based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, using locally sourced all natural black Angus beef and prize themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and st- and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, go to righteousfelon.com use pod 15 at checkout. It'll get you 15% off your order. You'll support the podcast. You'll support yourself. You'll support the the, the gift of meat. It's there for you. POD 15 at RighteousFelon.com. We come back on the Pride of Detroit podcast. cast. We're going to then put this loss into the greater context, talk about what's coming up ahead and talk about some individual players and narratives that I think are coming out of this game early that we should be able to tackle. It's Pride Detroit podcast. cast. Be right back. to Detroit Podcast. cast uh, on a lighter note. Keep an eye out because our Movember content is coming very soon. Uh, we're not ready to unveil our charities just yet. However, I can let you behind the curtain and let you know that I'm looking at our Movember planning list and I see on their um, hot ones stream. I also I like see that. on there yoga pants. Oh, boy, now it- that that one is now locked in because you've said it out loud. <laughs> Look, someone just says I never deliver on my promises, so I mean it doesn't hold you to it. But I'm I'm just saying I want to do something. I, I want to hands control of this podcast because I feel like we've gone off the rails. To Ryan Matthews, who sometimes takes over and in a fit and in, in a little bit of a purge uh, dictates law and order and gives us questions, queries and insight. So I'm going to hand the, uh, the rod of host of adequateness over to Ryan here. Mm. So you have some burning questions for us. These are Ryan's burning questions. What do you got?
3: Uh, that's, that, that, uh, was a lot easier to pick up than Thor's hammer, Chris, but, uh, thank you. Um, okay. So here's the little game we're going to play. Uh, it's called what's worse. And we're going to examine three different things um, that we have here. I I guess I view one as being short-term, one as being long-term, and one as kind of being in the middle. So let's start with the short-term one. Uh, What's worse, Dan Campbell slash Ben Johnson's unwillingness to adapt the running game based on personnel like Gibbs or Montgomery or Aaron Glenn refusing to change his approach to defending quarterbacks who can extend plays? What's more problematic? What's worse for the Lions moving forward? Aaron Glenn, no question.
1: I think I'm going to take the other side of it just to argue the other side. But, Jeremy, explain explain yourself on that.
2: Well, to me, it's that this is a longer standing problem. Mm. This is something that we have an established base here. This has happened multiple times. And this is also where the league is going. Um you're going to have to figure out a way to stop this or slow this. Don't say stop this because Aaron Glenn will get mad. You can't stop Lamar Jackson. You can only slow him. Um, apparently you can't do either of those if you're the Detroit Lions. Oh, my God. Jeremy <laughs> loves
3: Dave Phipp. We Fire. He's
2: got um,
1: <laughs> I I I'll just I'm just want to take the other side of it in that like too, But I, I think I'm coming on the same point on Jeremy just for another way. And that offense is the lifeblood of this league. And you I I think we talked about that, you know, when you're down in a hole, it makes you one sided. You also know what makes you one sided is continuing to insist that you need to establish a particular run pattern and do second down runs when it's clear that like, hey, you do need to start getting this going. Yeah, they'll bring you pressure, but like you don't have an option when you're in a hole in the modern NFL, like get the ball aired out, get downfield, start getting first downs
2: and there's there's a middle ground too it's not like sure. it's not like okay, there's there's other ways yeah I'm, I'm being a little extreme no, no. But yeah I, i'm saying for the lions like it's oh I, th- I think sometimes they feel like oh well if we're not establishing the run well jared Goff is just going to stand back there and get killed like you can sure. get him on the move a little bit like he was kind of okay at that in la and we, that, that actually came up in, in one of the pressers last week oh. where we, we kind of moved him away from that And well i mean If you're that afraid of him as a dropback quarterback, just standing in the pocket, just getting targeted and just ears pinned back from the defense, he's going to get sacked every time. Get him on the move a little bit. He is not completely immobile, and he's also not a bad passer when he's on the run. So yeah, I would have liked more creativity in this week. I'm not. But to me, I'm just I'm not going to nitpick Ben Johnson because he's got a year and a half of like outstanding play. Court. I agree with you. That the Glenn thing is, it's been a longer trend. I'm just worried from the
1: last few games that I'm starting to see a trend from this, this lion's offense when it can't do exactly what it likes to do.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That, I, that's, I think all those points are fair. Um, and, and I think the thing today, especially because the great debate is always in terms of Aaron Glenn's approach, Jeremy, right. It's well, why don't you spy the quarterback? the play in the red zone that Lamar Jackson, you know, extended for like nine or 10 seconds or whatever. Guess what Derek Barnes was doing? Yeah, he was buying Lamar Jackson. And you yeah. know what he did? He totally bit on Lamar Jackson going back to the middle of the pocket. And Lamar had enough wherewithal to extend the play out to his right yeah. and, and pick apart the defense. And I, that, I don't know. I, I think it's more of a zone thing. I think it's more of you have your defensive backs playing these, these cushiony zones and who knows how much of that has to do with personnel, right? Like, I mean, what can we do with Will Harris um, when we don't have Jerry Jacobs out there, but um, I think the, the Glenn thing is, is really the, the biggest um, concern just because of what you guys said in terms of, you know, it's been a larger trend. So the second Mm -hmm. question I have for you guys is uh, what's worse losing like the lions lost today or doing what the bills did today against the Patriots. What's like the greater litmus test for a football team.
1: What says more? Are we also saying that like in this scenario, the lions would be in that it would also be a team with a record much like the new England Patriots that it's, it's because like, again, part of this is, that's a good football team on the other side of the field. The Lions played today, and I don't think we're talking about that enough, that the Ravens are a good football team. Whereas yeah. the New England Patriots came into that game against the Bills with one win and everyone talking about Bill Belichick being fired until, oops, it came out. He actually has an extension. Like, and then
3: he got his 300th win against the the Bills. But like yeah. the, 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 the question I'm asking you, is it better to – what's worse, to get throttled the way the Lions did mm-hmm. or – to I mean it was a one score game and the Patriots scored with you know almost no time left so like is it better to be competitive to the point mm-hmm. of losing by a score or getting the doors blown off? I think
1: I went first last time, so uh, I yeah, I think and I think no, Jeremy's I, answer would be longer, so go go Jeremy.
3: Well, uh,
2: we talked about it a little bit in the first segment. Like a loss is a loss; it counts the same. So I would rather lose bad to a really good team than lose close to a really bad team. Like this is, this is the equivalent. The, the bills lost to me is the equivalent of losing to the bears, right? R- losing to the bears right now. Maybe I'm the, the Patriots are the home game. So losing in Chicago, which lines almost did last year. They, they could very well Feels do like it. It could happen this year too, <laughs> because I do think it's a, it's a poor matchup, but at the same, like yeah. that's which one would I feel worse? And it, it goes back to what Chris just said. Like, I think this is a very, very good Baltimore team. I thought it was a very, very good Baltimore team going into this game. I think they're even better. I think they're only going to get better. This was a new offensive system, a new offensive coordinator, and they found something that works. And yes, part of it was the Lions dropping the bag. Part of it was Aaron Glenn and all the struggles we just talked about. But I think part of it, Todd Monken was like in his bag, man, like Colin fantastic plays at perfect times and and yes there were there were breakdowns there were there were lines that were over committing to to um to lamar at times leaving fullbacks wide open and running backs wide open and things like that but also it seemed like especially early in that game they had the exact right call for for what Aaron Glenn was go- like he he felt like he knew exactly what Aaron Glenn was going to do and that team i think is going to blow blow the doors off some a couple other teams as we get into this game so it sucks you want the lions to compete against the best in 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 the business but i'd rather get my blown doors off by a really really good team than lose a close one to a bad team
3: so so chris what jeremy said is that you know um maybe he thinks there were multiple harbaugh's that were stealing signs with the way that (laughs) ravens knew very interesting What the Lions are going to do I don't know We'll very have to interesting. investigate
1: I, I just will I will co-sign And everything Jeremy said I, I might go the other way In that I'd rather Lose the close game Because of the principle Of any given Sunday A team can rise up and, and face you Now granted Also any given Sunday A team could blow Your doors off too But I think I'd rather Take that any given Sunday On losing the close one But ultimately I co-sign with Jeremy And I would just like To add a, a, a my own variation On the quote From uh, Mr. The Rock uh, It doesn't matter matter if you lose close or you lose big well said it doesn't matter <laughs> wins and like as Jeremy said short menu wins and losses it's all that matters well, he took an L
3: yeah well well said Chris Dwayne the Rock Johnson prophet don't um, don't I I do not deserve that <laughs> <laughs> all right uh here's another what's worse um what's worse The Lions missed out on Devin Witherspoon by a single pick. Or the Lions drafted Jameson Williams.
2: (laughs) Damn, we're really this. This this is a gut punch of a question.
3: How dare you? Dude, Witherspoon played so good today. And he's having one hell of a rookie season for a position where. That's not an easy learning curve either.
1: I feel like it's now been a couple of years where the Lions have like. Really wanted them to get a, a high up CB and they just have walked away with nothing to it. But I guess Ranch so is fantastic, true. but like I want an outside corner right now.
3: For sure. Here, Here's my question, I guess, in the way I'm framing it this way okay, is are the Lions more belly up and are they hurting worse at outside corner? Or today's wide receiver performance is a kind of example of man, when receivers can't get separation it gets pretty tough for this offense to to pick things apart with, with golf and being outdoors. I don't know all those, you know, factors, but like Jamo is supposed to be the guy who could create separation and, and hopefully make things happen. And that's not happening so far. So what are the lions hurting for more? So this
1: is just like what I asked you a few weeks ago is when was the time we start questioning on Jamison Williams? Sure. I guess it's now, I think, I think that hurts more to miss out on Witherspoon. At this point, I think it's been clear that like the Lions could really just use that help. And it's not to take away from the guys they have. But like like I've been talking about when it comes to like Patrick Sertan and and I again, I'm not saying the Lions should go after Patrick Sertan or he's even available at the trade deadline. But. All pro and very good, very, very, very good elite cornerbacks just don't grow on trees and they're not easy to pick up. And I I know more than a few fans have felt said they feel like when Witherspoon went off the board, the Lions just kind of didn't know what to do there. And I can't I I don't I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not going to comment on it. Jeremy's far more connected than I am, and I'm not going to press him on it. But I think rather right now, they'd rather have Witherspoon, like by a long shot. Like, I feel like Williams is something you could have in another way in your offense somewhere.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're hurting more at corner than they are at receiver. I think sure that's that much is clear. I think the pain in the Jamison Williams pick is bigger though because that was a self like you you did that you you can't control who's drafted in front of you, yeah, and I don't sure. think the, and I don't think the Lions panicked when Witherspoon was drafted. I think they they made the best of it. Like they they traded down, they got more draft picks and. Well, I probably wouldn't have taken a running back. Like that's a player they
3: clearly wanted and we're happy with. So I don't and, think and, they and, and open up the opportunity for Laporta and Branch right. and other good things that exactly. happened.
2: Yeah. But and you, I, I, you traded up for Jameson Williams. And oh, no, am I saying Jameson's cooked? No. Am I saying Jameson Williams is a bust? No. Am I saying you're he we're at a point now you should be concerned? Yes. He's come on extremely slow. Extremely slow. I mean, this guy, I understand he missed most of his rookie season. He didn't get any of training camp in his first year. I understand he missed half of training camp this year, half of the preseason. Still developing chemistry with Jared Goff. But at what point is it enough? At what point do we need to see progress? At what point do we say, hey, wide receiver is one of those positions where you make an instant impact in the NFL. There, there are examples all over the damn place. Why isn't it happening with him?
1: And also, you know, the Lions are bad. getting like in have been getting all year long. Great production. It's like, yeah, like great production out of St. Brown, Reynolds, Raymond's. Like none of these guys like Jameis and William's pedigree should outclips all these guys and the production on the field speaks miles otherwise.
2: And, and to me, it's not just it's not just dropping the ball or what it, like. He doesn't even look like he's on the same planet as Jared Goff right now. There, there are plays where I mean, the interception today, I don't know what the hell went wrong, but I'm sure as hell not blaming the guy that's been playing at an MVP level for six games. I'm sorry. I'm just not especially when it's the common denominator every single time.
3: Yeah. And, and, and I'm and I know me. I can speak for you guys, too. Like, we're definitely not trying to pile on the kid for sure. But I think it is fair to ask the questions of like, when, when is production right. necessary to say, Hey, things are trending in the right direction. It certainly feels like things are trending in the wrong direction right now. Not saying yeah, that can't right. change, but to Jeremy's point, not even just that play on the, on the deep shot. What about the little swing route that it looked like Jamison wasn't even anticipating getting the ball and stopped running the route. Like yeah. mm-hmm.
2: kind of alligator armed as well as Yeah. But, I mean, it's always important to keep in mind that players develop at different rates, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: Derek sure. Barnes is is it's going to be the example we use over and over again for that. And so, is this kid's career over? No, but it's off to a very inauspicious start, and I'm I'm like a level six, seven, eight concerned at this point because it, it it's not just that it's bad; it's it's not improving, and that that to me is is the the concern is that he's getting more opportunities and he he's not making the most of them.
1: I just hope it's it doesn't become a scapegoat situation, uh, ultimately, with fans like don't need that at all, though. Um, Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, Well, I'm I'm out of what's worse hypotheticals. So maybe end so it may- on a high note with looking forward to Las Vegas. Well, r- real quick, before we do that, like speaking of
1: the other one that I know fans sometimes like get angry about i'm just curious since we haven't like really singled him out or like talked about him too much like i know a lot of it came in garbage time but ryan how did you feel about jameer gibbs in this game and again knowing that he's being thrust into a role where he has to carry the run game by himself but even the passing game i thought he was fine i thought he was serviceable
3: yeah i here are the things that i liked about gibbs um Because I think part of the appeal to him as a player, right, was Brad Holmes talking about being a positionless weapon. Mm -hmm. And it was that added factor of him as a receiver. What that has kind of required, though, is some creativity on the part of Ben Johnson. There was the one screenplay that was awesome today um, that led to a big gain the running touchdown that defensive back made a uh, made a business decision instead of getting run over by Taylor Decker, who was out in open space. (laughs) So I'm not taking that away from him. I hope Gibbs is celebrating his first touchdown in the NFL. But um, I I, I guess this all goes to the point where I I'm I'm more encouraged by Gibbs when he touches the ball than compliments by comparison aren't compliments, but like, when you compare him to somebody like JMO, who's supposed to be a big-time home run threat, like I've at least seen plays with even Gibbs in today, right? Where I was like, "Ooh, that's like a broken tackle away," or "Ooh, that's like one move away from being a home run," and, and that's what we're all waiting on from Gibbs. And I mean, the run play happened today, right? Like that was a that was yeah. a nice little explosive run. Was um, that, was, that was a big gain, yeah, very fast. Um, I'll even say the one the one play that felt like had Gibbs had a chance to catch the ball. It was the, um I can't remember if it was an intentional grounding call or uh it was just a bad, you know, golf, no, the, got...
1: the intentional grounding call. He was golf. Didn't throw at anyone at all.
3: Oh, yeah. He yeah. did the, like the underhand thing, but like yeah. there was, there was the one where they had a screen set up to Gibbs that like would have been a big, big gain. And like the defensive line just got to, um got to golf too fast. But like, I guess, Jeremy, like, I'm encouraged from from Gibbs in the aspect of, like, at least I've seen some stuff, you know, over the course of, right, like, seven yeah. games where I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I see how it could be something. With JMO, it's been two plays, three three plays. <laughs> Pretty much. Over, yeah. over a year and a half. Right. Yeah. With Gibbs, I mean,
2: I think he gets an incomplete grade for this game. It feels like Just most again, of the opportunities so of a, came. Yeah. The game was already over. Yeah. Um, but like you said, I mean, you you can only get the touches that you get. And I, I'd say more, more often than not, when the ball is in his hand, something good happened. And so is there anyone else on the team you can say that about? I guess I'm on, on with another 10 plus catch performance. But although he had, he had a few drops in this game that were
1: kind of gnarly to watch, too. Yeah, so. I don't know. It was, it was ugly. But yeah, yeah, can
2: can we try to end this on a on a positive let's, note in some way? <laughs> let's talk Vegas.
1: You want some chicken soup? I know Devontae Adams scares people, but Devontae Adams is pretty unhappy in Vegas. And I don't know if any of their quarterbacks, be it Garoppolo, O'Connell, or Hoyer, is going to be able to get him the ball. That is a Raiders team that is really down on
2: its luck right now. They're just, just bad. Yeah. They're not good at anything. They're no. they they can't run the ball. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. You got Max Crosby and you got Devontae Adams and like it's a two person team. They're an absolute garbage football team. And how they even have three wins so far is amazing to me. Well, I I,
1: I will say you won't have to worry about the Lions boneheading on planning for a mobile quarterback at all, because I don't think that word describes any of the three quarterbacks that they might play.
2: Garoppolo is one of the worst quarterbacks I've seen in the pocket. Like he is a scare. I don't. Again, I think this speaks to how much I respect Kyle Shanahan. I don't. I don't know understand how that even worked in in San Francisco for as long as it did. To a Super Bowl. To a Super Bowl. <laughs> to, a, to a effing Super Bowl. Yeah, because he looks uncomfortable. He looks panicky. And so, hopefully, not a mobile quarterback. Aaron Glenn is like, all right, I'm in my bag here. Let's send some pressure. Let's get Naden Hutchinson three sack game. Get this baby back on the back on the railroad tracks here. But I also feel like for the
1: Lions more than the Raiders, like you look at both these teams coming out out, off a loss and you got to think, all right, who has the most to prove to get back on track? And it's the Lions. And usually after these big blowout losses, who do I trust being the coach to get a, a team out of its feelings to get them ready for the next week? It's Dan Campbell, not not Josh McDaniels.
2: Yeah, they they picked themselves up pretty pretty good after the Seattle loss. They picked themselves up pretty good after the Carolina loss. Maybe not so good against the Patriots, but I mean that, no, that's, that was back when okay. the team was worse. We don't need to talk about that. Where the team was better now, so I feel like it, everything is set up for a nice bounce back game next week in a national stage. You can you can because listen, like the next six days, seven days are going to suck, Lions fans. I'm sorry, you're going to have a lot of people. Calling you frauds and you're you're just going to have to eat it because it's kind of hard to defend what happened. I don't today. think as many people calling you
1: frauds, there will definitely be some. But I've also seen some people saying again, who who have been deferential to Lions, saying it's one game.
2: That's, I mean, I, I that's the attitude we should take for sure. Mm-hmm. Regardless it, is. Of, it absolutely of is
1: there. Uh, 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 and I think uh, I think most fans at Ford Field on Monday, which is the other X factor, are also going to be fairly generous to the
3: Lions, too. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, two words that I'm going to mute this week on Twitter: uh, "get right." This is going to be called the "get right" game for the next, you know, week and a day. So, so get ready for that phrase to be so overused. But mm-hmm. you know, I you, like Jeremy said. I don't think you can really ask for a better opponent than one that has absolutely no identity. And a uh, head coach who just does wainy like wainy, which is a lot like zany and wacky at the same time. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Josh McDaniels will just be an absolute like Josh McDaniels makes
1: makes Brandon Staley's late game decisions look sane.
3: Yeah. Josh McDaniels puts the sphere uh, in Vegas to shame in terms of the spectacle. It is he just he's just gazing into that sphere. It's his orb. He gazes into the orb. And decides to
1: uh, kick a field goal when he needs a lot more than just a field goal.
3: Man, but what would be worse? Losing to the Ravens the way the Lions did today? Don't do this. Don't do this. Or, or losing on Monday night to the Raiders. Raiders. No, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think the Raiders are the Raiders. a bottom three team in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a reason why I bet on them to have under three and a half wins. How they got to three wins by now, I have no idea.
2: Yeah. Because the Bills are, oh, wait, no, the Bill, the Broncos are garbage. And,
3: Packers well, granted, British. granted, they played, they played the Broncos
1: and the Broncos are even worse than we thought. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Which means the Packers are worse than we thought.
2: I, I think, I think my overall takeaway though, from even week seven in general is like, there's just not that many good teams. No, and everyone has blemishes this time of year.
3: Oh, okay. But my takeaway is I don't think that there are many great teams in yeah. the NFL. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like Yeah. And I, and I feel like I want, want to say that Baltimore is one of the great teams in the NFL. Hopefully,
2: yeah, because I, because the thing is, like, I feel like we felt that way about Seattle after they beat us too, and like, oh wow, they have a really good offense and things like that. And but I think you know, a lot of that was winning. More about, but they're, they're not they're not impressing. I would say, but, but that was
1: that was more. I I think us giving that deference to Seattle when we lost them earlier this year was deference to what they did last year to get into the playoffs maybe versus someone like the Ravens who have now stacked enough wins over. And like, again, the Ravens have had some bewildering losses in there, but like, I think they, they, they were due for a game where they were going to put all the pieces together. And just unfortunately happens to be the
2: Detroit lions. That's fair, but we're going to win the next, no, like six or something. It's fine.
3: Is is that, is that what we end the show on is the Lions are going to go on a six game winning streak.
2: Raiders at Chargers, Bears, Packers at Saints, Bears, Broncos. Okay. All
3: right. No, no. Put the Raiders game aside. Let's say the Lions are six and two going okay. into the bye. Okay. At Chargers, is not going to be easy. The next seven games, right? I yeah. think it's a reasonable expectation. Not saying that it will happen. Five and two. Does that feel like a re- reasonable expectation for those seven games? Yeah. I mean, yes. No question. It,
2: the division games are always going to be tough, but literally the next six out of the bye. Chargers Bears Packers Saints Bears Broncos forgive me if I'm wrong because I can I can I always
1: forget when we're on stream or off stream did we say on 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 this podcast or just on stream that uh this division can be won with just nine wins at this point
3: uh I, I think I, I think was in stream. the break I yeah, think okay. I was in the break yeah, yeah. but yeah. I mean it does feel oh, like nine, I'm just 10, to, yeah. to
1: to Jeremy's point like that locks up everything for you
3: well, I mean, you go five and two over that stretch. You have 11 games. Yeah. I, I That's don't not know. even I counting
2: the Vikings games. The the worst team in football.
3: Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay, that's, now that's, that's the, the way. Note, I <laughs> yes, All right, that, yeah. that was
2: tongue-in-cheek. That was tongue-in-cheek, to be clear. Let's
3: get out
1: of here. Put this one in the dirt. Hope you listen to it, though.
3: Yeah, put well, it right. Got, dig, oh. dig up
2: Eagles tape. Put it right next to the Eagles tape from two years ago. <laughs>
3: I don't like this graveyard that Aaron Glenn is amassing of mobile (laughs) quarterbacks requiring him to bury the tape. It is
1: maybe I think because they're mobile quarterbacks, it also has a bad chance that maybe at some point it'll rise up like a zombie and shamble around and scamper for like 15 yards.
3: It's going to end up looking like Miles Garrett's uh, front yard when he had all (laughs) the quarterback graves. Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, Well, we got plenty more
1: coming this week. Midweek mailbag, I think, Jeremy. Probably, okay. Yeah. Raiders, Raiders, uh, Raiders. Guests to come, uh, and announcements very soon about, about November. About November.
2: Everything's also probably going to get pushed back a day because the lines move their schedule back a day because of yeah, the yeah, Monday. Because we're
1: going to be on Monday, right? Right. Yeah.
3: right. Man, which
1: means man. that. Which means that I was we'll going to say real quick yeah. that uh, trade deadline coming up too. True. Trade deadline is Halloween, uh, the thirty first at four p.m. Um, maybe we should just, maybe I should like, I know I wrote a while back about lions at the trade deadline. Maybe we need to just talk some targets at some point.
2: Should probably be a trade deadline podcast
1: show. I got to say Jalen Johnson had a pick six today. He'd look Mm -hmm. real good in Honolulu blue. Trading with the bears feels
3: dirty. (laughs) We already
1: played You already broke that taboo. You've been trading with the Vikings. You can do this.
3: Yeah, but it's fine because like they're just taking all of our junk. It's like it's like we're trading them a uh, dollar for three quarters or we're trading them three quarters for a dollar. Yeah, because they think yeah, that they, it's more. The,
1: the coins are shiny, Ryan. They probably three. have like precious metals in them. What? Three is more than one. You know, what were, What were we just saying
2: about Jameson Williams? <laughs> oh, hey. uh, okay TJ Hawkinson, <laughs> it, at least they it's didn't all, pay him. They're 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 still getting the dollar, they're just not spending the dollar wisely.
3: Oh god. We're doing the we're doing the SOL
1: thing. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh goodbye, everyone. <laughs> we will see you star side. I'm just gonna end this right now to stop us from going way off the tracks.